0: The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken
1: Crowther. Hello, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast on BBC Sounds. This week I'll be taking your calls on everything from holly trees, chickweed and morello cherry trees. We've got some top tips for you on things you could be getting on within the garden, plus, of course, that plant of the week. We go straight to your calls, and this week we start with David from Colchester. Hello,
2: Ken. Good morning to you. Um, I wonder if you can give me some help and advice. I've got a holly bush. Mm-hmm. It's eight to ten foot tall. It's uh, eight, approximately eight foot wide and depth of eight foot. Now, sometime last year, and I can't for the life of me think when it was, I trimmed about a foot off one side of it. And then later on during the year, I trimmed a foot off the, uh, another side. So, in fact, I've had two sides reduced by one foot. Okay. Now, one side of the tree is shooting lovely and
1: mm-hmm. got little green
2: new bits shining. Now, the other side, I haven't got anything. Now, obviously, I've trimmed that at the wrong time. I'm wondering when is the correct time
1: to cut this to a size that I can work with? Quite honestly, I'm surprised the other side isn't shooting, although it is a little bit early, so I wouldn't sort of panic quite yet. Um, Normally, evergreens, including holly, you would would prune about now and running into May. That's one of the better times to prune. You'll find they'll drop a lot of leaf at sort of fairly... now, you'll find that, I'm sure you are, there's a bit of yellow leaf forming and dropping. Yeah. yeah, That's normal. Um, Although we think of them as evergreens, all evergreens will discard some leaf as the new leaf is produced. So in fact, what your holly tree is doing is producing buds. Okay, it's budding on one side more than the other. It might be that that side gets more light than the other. Is that so? Um,
2: i I suppose it could be because this, well, funny enough, the side that's uh, leafing is the north side of the garden.
1: <laughs> right. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so, the cold, if anything. It's funny, isn't the, it? Yeah. No, no, no telling with plants, plants and animals. No telling, is there? No. Um, but <laughs> no, don't um, don't worry at all at the moment. But yes, you could prune it. Um, I must agree. We have actually pruned some holly trees this very week, as. Uh, As one of our gardeners. so so it's not a problem at all.
2: No, what I'm basically figuring on doing is reducing about a foot each side and just trimming the top like I normally do. And I was a bit worried that I'd done something at the wrong time, but obviously it could be late developing, that's what you're saying.
1: Yes, no problem at all. Yeah?
2: Fine, lovely. You've right. answered me question and many thanks indeed.
1: That's right, that's what we're here for. Don't forget you can give us a call just as David has on 0800 111 4041. We're going to go to Dagenham and talk to George. Hello, George. Good morning, Ken. Um, thank you very much for... Um, a pleasure. Um,
3: I'm actually on my allotment at the moment. and uh-huh. um, What, I, what I, oh, I can't figure out over the years um, I've got a lot of Chickweed that keeps growing and growing and growing, and and some some people say, well, dig it in, and and it will it will um, put more life into the ground. Yeah, well, I'm just I'm just putting some um, potatoes in. Oh yeah, and uh, you know I've been pulling it out, and I think which is the best thing: leave it in, dig it in, or, or try and remove it.
1: Well. It depends how far you're digging it in, I think.
3: (laughs) You you see... uh, You know, a fault fault length.
1: If you're digging it in to a fault length, there's nothing really wrong with digging any weed other than pernicious weed. Now, pernicious weed, you know what pernicious weed is. It's docks, thistles, dandelions and stuff like that. Generally, annual weed, annual grass, you should be able to dig straight into the ground and it should rot down. What you got to watch with chickweed is that it's not in flower. Flower no. to seed very fast and then you'll get more chickweed because you've disturbed it. So no,
3: it's it, not in flower at the moment.
1: It's not. I mean it can i
3: have dug, dug it over over the winter periods. Yeah. And dug it in, you know. But, but
1: you but want to crack on, don't you? That's, that's the problem. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, if you weren't cracking on, um, I would suggest, in some ways, even even on a veg bed, you could weed kill what's exposed because that way you're definitely getting rid of it. Um, mm-hmm. And again, you could you could use several weed killers. You could use glyphosate, or you could use one of the Nordorf uh, mm-hmm. weed killers, which are made from natural ingredients. So there's plenty of natural weed killers out there as well that you could be using. But mm-hmm. again, only use that on an area that you're not going to sow within the next week because it will take a week to ten days to kill kill the weeds. Do you see what I mean?
3: Yeah, I, I, I fully understand. Look, just, and please no, note,
1: I wouldn't suggest that you use anything that's none of the weed killers today stay in the ground, you see, so that you've got, you've got no problem with that. Yeah,
3: it's just that I've got a thing about, about um, chemical weed killers, etc. Well, um, look I, for I've some... i very, very hard not to use any of these. I agree.
1: That. I totally agree with you. I think we should use less and less. But yep. Nordorf actually do, they're made from plant extracts. So if you look at, read them before when, when you yep. go and buy stuff, always look on the backs of the packs and read what's in them. Yep. Because so much stuff today, insecticides the same are made from natural things. So it's a much better way of using. Does that make Lovely. sense to you?
3: All right. Yes, indeed it does. Thank you very much and thanks for watching uh, the programme every week. Very, OK, George. Very nice listen. Thank Good.
1: you. Thank you very much, George. That's George from Dagenham. Don't forget, uh, you can text me as well, just as Dawn in Puckridge has. On 81333, start your message with the word Essex. We now go to Pamela, who's given us a call from Ockenden Village.
4: Hello there, Ken. Hi. Um, yes, it's about um, just over two years or so ago now that I planted a prunus caricio you know, a morello cherry Yeah. and in its first year last year, it was absolutely beautiful, just one big ball of white cotton wool, completely covered with morello cherries absolutely fabulous and this year absolutely nothing so I'm wondering, I mean it looks very healthy, there's a few tufts of green here and there but um, absolutely no comparison, so I'm just thinking and wondering what I can do between now and next year so that I can get that crop back again.
1: And you haven't pruned it or done anything like that to it?
4: No, no, because it was very young and very small, so I thought we'll give it a chance, you know, to get going a bit. So, no, I didn't. No,
1: you shouldn't prune. I was just checking you hadn't. I I mean, cherries generally, um, for anybody else listening at all, cherries... uh, Cherries, plums, all those sort of stone fruits are honestly best al- left alone and only pruned when they're too big or, you know, are in the wrong place. Does yes. that make sense?
4: Yes, that makes sense.
1: So that's all I would do. I, There's mm. not a lot that you can do to actually help your, um, your cherry tree other than mm. try and just give it a bit of feed. Now, yes. quite... <laughs> What are you trying to do? It should be flowering about now, but you're saying there's no flower at all? No,
4: absolutely none at all. Terribly disappointing. There's a, quite a big plum tree nearby that's been absolutely smothered this year, um, but it hasn't affected it at all with pollination or anything. It's just standing like a...
1: Oh, but hang on. You said it hadn't flowered.
4: No, no flowers.
1: No, well, you won't get pollination without a flower. Do you see what no, I'm saying?
4: No, 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 that's right. No. It's not done anything, just a not couple done. of green bits here and there, and that's all it's done.
1: Right, I would well, I would give it a bit of food. I think something like a general. I mean, I I would use Vitax Q4, something like that. Right, let me write that down. A Vitax Q4. Q4. It's quite right. it's quite a good general. Most of the Vitaxes are, um, and if it's a very small one, this is in the garden, not in the um, in a container, isn't it? No, no,
4: it's in the garden.
1: It's in the garden. Yeah. Yes. Um The other thing you can add to it, you could add a bit of liquid, something every now and then. Give it a bit of. Um, No, it won't help that, I'm thinking. No, no, don't. Just give it general fertiliser a couple of times through the summer period and mulch it around the base once it is really wet. But do not do that at the moment because the ground is too dry.
4: Can I ask you a supplementary, please? Of course you
1: can, no um, problem.
4: i this year I'd like to get into potatoes. Yeah. I grow my own flowers, etc., but not that much veg. But I do now have um, quite a few quite large um, buckets, and I, I thought well, I'd like to try some. So I've been chitting Maris Pipers in the greenhouse, and I'm getting nice long roots. Yep. And, you know, <laughs> I really don't know anything about growing potatoes, so... I'm, I'm sort i of got lots of questions going through my mind. Should I put put the um, where the eyes have developed the um, shoots? Should they go downwards? And when will I know? And whole but, procedure from the right. time of chitting to putting in the buckets with right. all fibre. Could you talk me through that, please? Yeah. What
1: you are find how long are shoots? Because you don't want two longer shoots. Um, uh, at
4: the moment, I would say the longest are probably about
1: two inches. That's alright, that's quite a suitable length to be planted and basically they'll be coming out sideways and to the top and that's yes. the way that you would lay the potato, exactly oh. how you've got it laid, right. that's right. how you would lay it again. Right. That's Smart the simplest it? way. How um, far
4: down in the bucket should they go, i would, halfway or the whole no, way? No,
1: I'd put a, ser- a third of, are you going to uh, there's two ways of doing it and <laughs> this is the trouble. A lot of people suggest that you put the potato in and then you slowly as the leaves come up, you build the, the compost up. Um, that I still think is the best way, although people argue that actually it's not necessary, but I think it works better. So I would have a third of compost in the in your container
4: then put your it, potato yeah. in, then yeah.
1: put about six, seven inches over the top of that and as the leaf emerges, you slowly build it up and just keep the top of the leaf showing, the top of the leaf showing, and it'll, it'll extend the stem. Right. Until you get to the top with your, with your soil. When would you know
4: that they're ready? It would flower after that.
1: Yeah, a a Maris. Hang on, which one you got, Maris Piper? Maris Piper. So it's a that's a early mid early, isn't it? It's a mid. I've got no
4: idea. I don't pretend to have knowledge on potatoes.
1: It it will it will flower, but generally you put your hand because you're working in a bucket. You can put your hand in. You can pick out some nice little small ones if you want to. It doesn't matter. It's you know just.
4: A procedure. No,
1: you don't have to wait. Don't be as fussy as some people are. Just no,
4: people years ago used to say, with flowers had died, then the potato yeah. wouldn't be ready.
1: Well, that's generally okay, but it's not. It's a general rule of thumb, but you don't have to follow it.
4: Oh, so it doesn't mean the potato wouldn't be ready just because of that?
1: No, that's right.
4: Okay, is it so? It's feeling really go in and if it feels yeah,
1: and give it, there. and if it's growing in a container. um you you need to you need to um, see that you give it a bit of extra liquid feed as well help it along.
4: Right. Right. and Keep it very moist at most times. Just
1: moist not wet. It doesn't like so position. Does it like
4: sun or shady it, area? Um, Cuz I can move the buckets about, you a,
1: see. A bit of good light is important. Good light. Good light. Oh, okay.
4: that's great. i will be writing all the time. Thank you very much indeed. That's all right. Enjoy I'm your potatoes. Proceed, proceed with confidence now, Ken. Thank you uh, very much indeed.
1: And I, ho- and I hope your Morello cherry comes, comes forth next year and gives you lots of cherries. Let's have a look at Plant of the Week. And this week, I'm going to go for Passiflora or passion flowers. Believe it or not, across the world, there's most likely over 500 different species. Generally, they are tendril-bearing vines and they've got a sort of green foliage and a very showy flower. In fact, even thought to be absolutely exotic. It has sort of an outer and then a centre. Oh, gorgeous flower. Absolutely. Anyway, they originated from sort of Mexico, Central and South America. Now, the problem is... People think that when they buy a passion flower it's going to produce a fruit. Well, actually the fruit, the passion fruit is actually uh, Passiflora edulis, not to be confused with the one that we're using for an ornamental display in our garden. Very popular during Victorian times and uh, uh, they they do produce a fruit which is actually very attractive, but it's edible, boring, can be made into a jelly. It sort of goes from green to orange. And people, I know, often ring up to uh, the the gardening programme and say, oh, can I do with it? I always remember Peter Seabrook saying, it's not poisonous, but it's the most boring, inedible fruit that you could ever come across. Uh, That's what he said, but it's not poisonous. It's just boring. Uh, Said to actually be a sedative, but I wouldn't suggest you take too much of it best grown in a sheltered position, can be grown in tubs and containers, and in fact, restriction of root makes them grow a lot, lot better. Best trained up a wall, keep the main tendrils and cut back damaged material that you've that's happened during the winter because a lot of damage does happen. Some of them will keep their leaves ripe right through the winter, but they get all sort of brown and horrible. So thin it out, keep the main branches. If you've planted a new one, plant it in a container Uh, With John in his compost for long life, you'll need at least a 30-inch, a 30-centimetre, sorry, not 30-inch, 30-centimetre container. And They both prefer, if it's in the ground or in a container, south-facing, but keep it moist, but it must be well-drained. I know that sounds nonsense, but they hate being waterlogged. They're not fussy about any sort of soil. Uh, doesn't have to be acid or alkaline. Very easy to grow, but must be in a warm position. Best grown on a wise warm fence or warm wall. Easy as that. Can be crop- propagated very easily by just laying some down, pinning them into the soil or or into a pot, and it's uh, basically you can uh, root them by layering. So they are passion flower. Do you know why I chose passion flower? Because I pruned one very heavily this week, and. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it burst forth as the weather has really turned on some heat. So they are Passiflora, Passion Flowers. Go and buy one and enjoy it this summer. Hello, Beverly.
5: Good morning, Ken. I love your show. Good. It's so informative. Um, my query is um, as with. Um... Yep. Uh, oh, <laughs> sorry, I've got tongue tied. That's all Um, right. Don't worry. Annuals, you you nip out the growing point to to produce more shoots. Can you do the same with roses?
1: Um,
5: Most of my roses are producing long, thin shoots because of the sun, I suppose.
1: But can I pinch out the growing point? um, Well, yes and no. Uh, It means... (laughs) You see, the trouble is... When did you prune them and what, what roses are they? Are they normal sort of hybrid tea and floribunda uh, type roses?
5: Hybrid um, hybrid
1: teas, tea, bush yeah. roses, yeah. Now, yeah. did you prune them quite hard or did you not prune them hard? Um,
5: no, I just pruned them about halfway down.
1: How high, how high are they?
5: October.
1: So how high are they now?
5: Uh, about three
1: foot. Yeah, they're really... The reason you're, you're getting upright shoots is because they're actually a bit too high. I ne- see. Next year, next year, prune them at that height in October, just as you have. When you yeah. get to early March, cut them down to about nine inches high. Oh, right. Then you'll get more branches from the base.
5: Yeah,
1: OK. Now, the thing is, what you're be doing if you if you cut it now or you take the tip out you're actually be losing the flower so what you're best to do is let the flower be produced and as soon as the flower has faded then cut the flower head back by down go down a bit down the stem a bit and cut it back to a next bud that will hopefully then branch and give you more bloom on your second display
5: Right. Okay. That is actually what I normally do, but this year um, they've sent up yeah. long, thin main stems yeah. early.
1: Well, what, Beverly? What, what is worth doing as well is do you feed them with a good rose food?
5: Oh yes. Well, yeah. mm, it's mainly a general food. Right. Um
1: If, if uh, you, a if seaweed. you, use... Seaweed, but if you give them a rose food, you will actually give them a bit of an extra boost. It is okay. worth giving a rose food, and you could give that now as they've come into bloom. And then what you do is you give them a second dose of that um, when, when the second blooms are just starting. So, in other words, when you prune it off, give them another dose in June time, and that will give you a good second flush of flower.
5: Right. Okay, I will do that. Okay. Okay, thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Beverly, for your call. She's given us a call on 0800 40 eight hundred triple one forty forty one. We go to Stanley in Wivenhoe. Hello, Stanley. Oh, yes.
2: Good morning, Ken. Yes, a uh,
3: bit of advice, if it's possible. We've developed a sort of a, a six foot diameter circle
6: in the front of our bungo, and we just wanted a bit of advice what we could plant in the middle to make it more attractive than uh, just ordinary uh, dirt at the moment.
1: Right. Why don't you think of planting something, a specimen type of plant in the middle, either a dwarf tree or a dwarf tree, something, I mean, even one of the small growing um, malus, you know, the crab apples, you can get some lovely ones. those. And in fact, there's a couple that weep. There's one called red jade, which is a really lovely weeping one, which looks fantastic. Uh, that's a nice weeping one, it's flowers, the fruit's not a problem then, I mean, you're not growing it for your fruit, you're growing it for your flower, but that's a lovely one, and you could have that as a central position, and then you could either plant annuals, or you could plant it up with some small uh, herbaceous plants, Um, and lovely uh, geranium is one called rosanne, little bit expensive because it has a license on it, but it's it flowers from May right through till October. Uh, another good plant. Are you j- jotting these down, or you can always. Pl- well, I've
3: here, can you
1: Yeah, Napita. The
3: man to wipe about on our rounds.
1: Napita is <laughs> another one that you could use. That comes up in a blue flower, and you cut that back after flowering in early summer, and it'll give you a second flush. And you could okay. mix yeah. that. You could mix that with some low-growing grasses, some silver-grey grasses, which will give you colour through the winter period. Or alternatively, lavender is another thing that you could put in there if you wanted to mix lavender and perhaps the napita, That would be a nice colour mix because you get the blue and the greys working together quite well. Does that give? Okay. And then and then leave some spaces perhaps for some annuals. Fantastic!
2: Yeah. Yeah.
6: Yes. Fantastic! Yeah. Alright? Yeah, thanks for your advice and many, many, many thanks. Thank you very much indeed.
1: That's a pleasure. That's Stanley from Wivenhoe with a few advice on his six-foot uh, six wide planter in the front garden. Robin old Hello, Rob. Good morning to you, Ken. Um, I've got a little bit of an issue with daffodils and narcissi this year. Yep.
0: Um, some, some I leave in my border uh, because they're planted amongst other perennials and so on, they come up naturally, and others I've added in the autumn, um, and I've also put quite a few in pots around the um, patio. But uh, I've, this year I've got a huge proportion of um, leaf and a small proportion of flowers. Um, I'm looking at my border at the moment, and it's a mass of very tall daffodil and narcissi leaves. Yep. Um, and we've only picked a small proportion or seen a small proportion of flowers this year. Um, my questions really are, A, um, will that situation change? Yes. B, <laughs> or B, have they, have they had it? Um, no. Nope. And do I ought to dig them out and start again, or what would you no. advise?
1: Right. Your main problem is you are with thousands of people across the country, and including one of the largest uh, bulb growers in Europe. Taylor bulbs grow millions of bulbs. We produce more daffodil bulbs in the UK than we do in any other country. And last summer, the early... What went wrong? If you think back to last year, it was dry at the beginning, then it went cold, and then it went dry. And in fact, this has had a dramatic effect on, on the bulbs because the bulbs need moisture at this time of the year when they finish flowering. And last year, it went... From now on, it just went dry. And they didn't get sufficient moisture. Therefore, they were unable to produce um, the bu- the flower within the bulb. Because remember, it's produced right. this year for next year. So right. there's blind bulbs everywhere. I know you see masses of grape bulbs as well. And no, they haven't been watered because somebody wrote in and said, yeah, but parks don't water them and parks don't. Yeah, no, they don't. It's luck of the draw. But... I am seeing exactly what you're seeing and we've had lots of problems with them. So the thing that you can do is, no, don't dig them out necessarily, although you could dig them out and replant if you want to. But what I would do is leave them and keep liquid feeding them because at this time of the year, what they're doing is they're taking the absorbing stuff from the leaf as well back into the bulb. So if you use something like a a liquid seaweed-based feed and water them, regularly, every something like 10, 14 days, you'll be putting back nutrient into the bulb. Now, I don't promise you that you'll have a mass of flower next year. It might take two years to get there, but they will get
0: there. Right. The only sort of issue with that is... They're in the way. If
1: I've got to put up with a lot of green yeah, in right. the
0: border for quite okay. a while and not be able to not be able to plant around it.
1: Right. Have you got anywhere else that you could replant them that they would be out of the way? Any mixed borders Pops. that you could... Got any containers? Not
0: really
1: Have you got few, any few containers? Few containers. Yeah, loads you, of containers. Well, stuff loads in a container. Lift them out and do the same as I've said. Still water right. them, um, or you water them and feed them now. Lift them as they as the leaf fades and then put them in containers. But I still <laughs> think you're better off keeping them in containers moist than you are drying them. A lot of people dry them out, but it's a lot of fuss and you, you don't get as good a result, I don't personally think.
0: OK, that's been helpful. I'll try that. Thank you very much.
1: All right. OK, Rob. And uh, it is a problem that we've had across the country with daffodils, as I said. So, in fact, if you're getting the same sort of problem, it is because of that harsh, dry summer. Think what it's done. Even think what it's done to our lawns. It really has made a complete mess of lots of lawns. So, you know, give us a call now. If you are uh, got a problem with your garden, why not give us a call? 800 311 4041 And uh, send us a message on text, 81333, start your message with the word Essex. It's as easy as that. Let's now go to talk to Andy. Who's dri- I'm sorry, Andy, you're driving, aren't you? And we've kept you waiting a little while. Sorry about that, Andy. I, uh, no,
3: it's all right. Thanks for
1: taking my call um i my, last christmas
3: my brother brought me a strawberry plant uh-huh. um, but i'm not really a gardener so i'm open i believe not you give me some basic advice as when and where is best to
7: plant it
1: right if you've just got a strawberry plant what i would personally do is plant it in a large pot yeah okay. now if you plant it in a large pot what will happen is it will grow this season it will send out runners if you use something like a 30 centimeter pot um, it'll send out runners this summer some of those runners you know the runners are basically little plants that will come off that main plant and yeah. they will root into that pot as well not only that that as the plants develop chances are that the fruits some of the fruits will be close to the plant but other fruits will be farther out and they often hang on the edge of the container if they're above right. the ground you'll get less slug damage and less damage to the strawberries. If I was growing loads of them, I'd run a line in the garden. But I think if you've got that one thing that you're thinking, oh, well, let's have a go at growing strawberries. That will be one of the best ways I would use preferably a terracotta pot. But you could use a plastic or a recycled material because there's some recycled material pots now around Um, something like that. And. Use a John Innes number three compost. It is quite a well-established plant, is it? It's not just a very, very young plant, is it? No, it is,
3: yeah, it's quite well established, I'd
1: say. Right, um, John. Um, what? John Innes number three is what you would do. That's a soil-based compost, and it will last longer for the strawberry.
2: Okay, brilliant.
1: Anything else you want to know?
2: That's great, thanks very much.
1: Back to your gardening questions in a moment, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. And i are going to start off talking about bedding plants. If you make up your own baskets and you've got a lean-to, a conservatory that you can plant them in, or a cold greenhouse, buy some bedding plants now and start them off. Get them going in the baskets. But beware... The weather is not safe to plant them out in the garden. And if you go to a garden centre or nursery this weekend or this coming week through Easter, you will find it rammed full of bedding plants, summer bedding plants. And yes, they have a notice on saying, not frost hardy. Well, I tell you what, my old dad used to always say that it's not safe till cup final day. And he was proved right on many, many occasions. So whenever cup final day, which I actually don't know, uh, that's usually a safer time to worry about frost. Personally, I reckon mid-May. So they are. Be careful with your bedding plants. But if you're growing them on, fine. If you're not growing them on, be very wary of what you're putting in the garden. And definitely have some horticultural fleece ready to cover them. The second one there is going to be feeding boxes. Now Buxus really suffered last year with that dry summer. It's had Buxus caterpillars, blight, all sorts of things going for it. So give it a good feed. People forget it because it's green they don't feed it. You can just give it grow more, uh, work it in around the uh, base of the plant and then uh, water it well in. It works well. However there is a Buxus feed on the market which has got some extra trace elements which I think will boost it along a little bit more. So they are feed your bucks as hedging topiary that in pots always needs feeding and in fact if it was in a container I'd be giving a bit of extra seaweed type feed like a maxi crop or something similar over the top of the plant but don't forget never do that in the sunny weather because it will burn but give it a good liquid feed so now that's feeding The Gardening Hour podcast
0: on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther
1: Hello, Reg.
2: Hello, Ken.
3: Um, I phoned you a couple of weeks ago about i would repotted my aces. Uh, I've put them in compost of uh, um, Iricasia. Yes, but that's right. You said no problem. But uh, on the leaves, I've now got some little brown grubs, uh, maybe two mil in diameter.
1: Right. Okay. Any okay.
3: idea what that would be on an acer? I didn't think they'd get things like that.
1: Well... Everything can get aphid and different insecticides. Now, with an AC, you've got to be very careful what you spray them with. I would suggest that you use one of the more uh, organic, natural sprays. So... I still would spray it, but remember that you mustn't spray it when it's got sunlight on it because Acer leaves will burn very, very easily.
3: No, no, know <laughs> My, my, my neighbour sprayed his front garden water and it got all on the leaves a couple of years ago and they all shriveled up. I was furious, but nevertheless, that's another story. Um, so, so what are you saying is one of
0: these organic sprays?
1: Yes, use, it, use an organic spray. Um, that will be much, much better for it. I, I Acer's, I can't actually remember... Exactly what you have to um you know what you have to be careful- I can't remember which one you have to be careful of, but I would definitely be very very careful indeed of what I spray an Acer with and i would i'd I'd look for you know definitely look for a safer spray rather than a chemical spray on this occasion particularly
3: what are these um I've read on the on the bottles something about um uh, what is it um sort of soapy stuff, is it? I don't
1: yeah, know. that's right. It's it's not now. It's it's actually interesting because we got, somebody wrote to me, I can't remember where it is. I'll, I'll see if I can find it in a minute. Um About what we get confused at is soap, which is soft soap. And
2: yeah. people
1: think that washing up liquid is yeah. soap. Now, washing yeah. up liquid is a detergent. Yeah. And a detergent has no effect on Anything at all. It's a way people will claim it gets rid of their black fly, but it won't get rid of black fly. And not only that, I wouldn't even recommend using it. Why do we put detergent on a garden? There we are worrying about putting chemicals on gardens, and people are using detergent. Well, detergents are just nearly as nasty, isn't it? It's not a great product. So we've oh, got to be careful with what we use. And oh. it they are made of a soft soap. Soft yeah. soap. And also oils and oils and natural acids. So there are lots of good things in some of these safer sprays. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much for your help, Ken. That, that's a pleasure. Okay, that's Reg from South Auckland, and we go to Roger from Hatfield, Peveril. Hello, Roger. Hi, Ken. Uh, a couple of years ago, I bought a jasmine,
8: summer jasmine. a oh, yes. Small one. Bought it from the uh, from the garden centre. Yep. Um, that summer it grew up and we got a few flowers, but not that many. Uh, and I I trimmed it back mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, then last year I forgot to trim it back at all. And last summer I don't think we got any flowers at all. And I've I've sort of I've left it since then.
1: Right. Okay.
8: Should I should I do anything with it now? I mean, it's it's a bit spindly. Uh, it is still. Quite healthy. I mean, there's lots of very, very thin new roots, new you know uh, spurs. Right. But what's
1: it in a container or in the ground, yeah, uh, Roger? No, it's in a
8: it's in a pot, a hexagonal I pot. I think
1: I think as some. It, how big's the container?
8: Not that big. About is it about nine inches?
1: Too small. That's mm. why you're not getting a flower. Do you know what oh, I would right. still do? I'd go out and buy something nothing short of 30 centimetres, which is, what's well, 30 centimetres or 18 That's inches. Cool. Say 18, no, go for 18 inches. 18-inch 18 container, you right mm. Get some John in his compost. Yeah. Carefully get it out of this pot, which I'm sure you can do, can't you? you can just oh, knock, yeah, yeah, Knock it out of the pot and then ease it into this new one.
8: Yeah, the only thing, I mean, it's wound up a, a trellis. Can you not lift it out
1: without... Taking it no, off the trellis
8: with difficulty. I, oh. uh, no, I don't think I
1: can. You can't.
8: The, that's yeah, a bit of a nuisance. Yeah, the your biggest right about about six inches above the pot.
1: Could you get that pot into another pot without actually taking it off the pot off? Because that's another way of doing it. Is you put yeah, that no. pot into a bigger pot and I then, understand.
8: Put, yeah. then put <laughs> then put a multi-purpose
1: <laughs> compost round it and keep it moist. What your problem is it's drying out and I know you'll say uh, oh, I water it all the time. It's not yeah, got enough. Did, yeah. It's not got enough nutrient, it's not got enough water. It's drying right. out at some stage. The answer to the trimming anybody who's got a jasmine, yes, trim back to the main stems, get rid of all the straggly stuff and tip the ones that you're keeping and then you'll get new shoots. Give it. I mean I could do that, could I? Do that anyway. i could cut it oh, right do back. that. Yeah, do that anyway. Back but to the main. Can do it now? Sh- yes, do it now back to the main shoots and then start feeding it with a good um, something like a seaweed based feed and give it a month of that and then start giving it a tomato food as well and I think you right. should end up with some flower. You think it will flower this year? I hope so because then oh, you can right. come oh, back okay. and say then you can come back and say it's been successful <laughs> and I've given you good advice. <laughs>
8: yeah. Okay. Well, all right then well I think if I if I do Chop it
1: sort of significantly back. I can get it off the trellis. Okay, and then plant it in a bigger one. That would be good. In a bigger pot. Great. Do that. All right, Ken. Thank you very much. All the very best. And that's Roger from Hatfield (coughs) Peveril. And we go to Veronica in Springfield. Hello, Veronica.
5: Hello, Ken. I have, um, about 40 odd years ago, we planted a holly tree in the Uh
1: garden. Yes.
5: Um, Over the years, the top had to come off because of ivy from another tree. Uh, sort of mucking it up and the tree has now become a bush and it's very spindly branches if i cut them back will the tree or the shoots start to grow again
1: yes they will i wouldn't uh, i wouldn't worry about pruning back a uh, holly at all um I think at the same time, I would give it a blooming good feed around the base of the plant, not too close to the stem, but away from the stem where the feeder roots are. And I would give it, because of the dry conditions that we've got at the moment, I would definitely um, keep it going with a bit of added water if you can. Right. So that's feed, water, or well, prune, feed and water. How about that?
5: Right. Should I put some manure around it
1: as well? Well, what manure have you got? The manure is better really as a mulch. You see, manure and compost that we use has not got as much nutrient in it as people imagine. And in fact, um, from that point of view, it doesn't give a huge amount of benefit, but it's a great mulch and a great soil improver. Use something as simple as a Grow More or anything like that, granular fertiliser, sprinkle that around, small handful to every square yard, and then when it is really moist, then use some compost or manure on the top as a mulch. How about that?
5: Lovely. Fine.
7: Thank you very much indeed,
5: That's a pleasure. A lot.
1: OK, uh-huh. that's Veronica in Springfield. And we go to Sandy in Harlow. Hello, Sandy.
7: Hello. Um, I've got a camellia that means an awful lot to me. It was given to me as a present when my husband died. And it's always been the envy of all my friends because it's got loads of flowers, but this year it had all the flowers and the leaves right up until the middle of February and then suddenly everything started dropping off. I'm gonna plant it into a new pot, but is it, do you think there's anything that I can do that I can encourage it and help it? Uh,
1: yes, now tell me, what, what are the leaves doing? You said everything's fallen off. Are the leaves falling off as well?
7: Yes, they are, unfortunately. I think I've got some new little shoots coming. I'm not sure.
1: Right. Is it in a, Did you say it was in a container or in the, or yes, in the it's garden? In the
7: container. It's been in a container. I've had it for 12 years, and it's been absolutely beautiful.
1: And have you repotted it in those 12 no, years? I haven't,
7: no.
1: I think you're fine. What has happened to it, it has struggled through last year. What size is the container and how big is the plant? Uh,
7: the plant's probably about five foot.
1: Tell me the size of the pot. Uh, the
7: pot is probably, oh, I don't know, probably about two foot.
1: Ooh. Needs a bigger pot.
7: Yes.
1: Go out and buy a bigger pot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Use um, an ericaceous compost yes, on it. Yes, I
7: bought an ericaceous <clears throat> sole and I bought right. a new pot.
1: How big? Quite a bit bigger, the pot?
7: Yes, the pot
1: is bigger. Good girl. Do that anyway, right? Do that as soon as you can after the program, of course, not not during it. Yes. <laughs> um, and then pot it up, and then all you need to do is keep it moist. But uh, mm-hmm. but when you take it out of the pot, just tease some of those roots round. You know, tease them out just a little bit. Don't go over the top, but just pull some of that root out from uh-huh. where it where it's congested. Okay.
7: Do you think anything's it, or do you think it's purely the weather? I
1: think it's weather. I think you missed last year getting it wet, keeping it moist enough, particularly from July to September, which is when it produces its its buds. I think that's what's gone wrong and I think it's just suffering. If you've got new green shoots, get get it in a container, get some new stuff around it, and then I would definitely feed it with a liquid feed on a regular basis this year and really push it back into life. We'll be back to your calls, texts and emails shortly, but let's take a final look at the top tips that I've got for you this week. And I'm going to go for lawns. Now, lawns, normally at this time of the year, we'd be buying, um, perhaps thinking about getting rid of moss. I think it's a bit dry to get rid of moss, but maybe a liquid moss killer might work. But you need to actually get some moisture into the grass. And really, there isn't a lot about at the moment because the temperatures have risen quite a lot. If you are getting rid of moss, don't forget, you wait till it's completely dead and then you rake it out. You definitely don't do it before uh, before it's dead and you must rake it out when it's dead because if not, all you do is spread the spores. You could use a feed weed and moss killer. That does absolutely everything. See that you use an applicator because if, if you put too much on, you'll burn it and that's no good at all. And again, if there's no rain within 24 hours, you give it a blooming good soak and it will need at least, say, half an hour on each section to get it washed onto the leaf and into the ground. Um, If you've got a lot of broad-leaved weeds in your lawn, I would use a liquid lawn weed killer, a handheld one, ready to use and go round and weed kill those specifically or dig them out with a weeder. But generally, let's face it, it's time to feed your lawns. And if it stays dry, one of the best methods is liquid feeding. So lawns to be fed. Now let's jump over to the vegetable plot. Time to sow, yes. But have a bit of fleece ready in case we get some frost. Carrots, beetroot, kale, spinach. Um, What else? Kohlrabi, turnips and... uh, if you like asparagus, it's great time to set out an asparagus bed, buy a few crowns and get those in the ground as well. If you've got a cold greenhouse or some cloches, start off early, a few carrot again, because you can use the thinnings as salad ones, lettuces, radish and spring onion. It's just, it's time to start, but watch the weather very carefully. Or if you've got a cold greenhouse, start some of the things off in cells. It's a good way of doing it. Use cells in the greenhouse and then plant them out. So there are. there's some of my tips for you for this week. Come on, get out in that garden. Let's look at some of the events and gardens that are open this week. Now on Friday the 26th of April, um, the Bealey Abbey Gardens are open. Now, I've been there and done a recording. It's a lovely garden to look at. Three acres of secluded gardens in a rural, historic setting. It's got rose gardens, a wisteria walk, and I reckon the wisteria walk will nearly be out. The magnolia trees might still be out, and it's got 85-yard-long herbaceous border. It's uh, got the scenic backdrop of the remains of a 12th-century abbey incorporated into a private house. Sadly, not open, but I'll tell you what. There's refreshments there as well. That's 10.30 till 4.30, Friday the 26th of April, in Malden, Bealey in Malden, CM96LL. Let's jump over to Leon C, 30 Glenwood Avenue. Uh, Again, offering tea and homemade cakes. (laughs) Nothing to be grumbling about that, is there? Um, It's a transformed town garden. Raised beds, tulips, vista of colour, of inspiration and peaceful harmony. And a mass of spring bulbs. That's uh, 30 Glenwood Avenue, Leon C. It's £3.50 and children are free, 11 till 4 on Friday the 26th of April. The postcode ss 9 5EB. Jumping over to Stebbing, St Helens at High Street Stebbing. Again, homemade teas and £4.50 to get in on Saturday the 27th between 1 and 5. Garden of Contrast due to moist and dry conditions. Laid out on a gentle Essex slope from a former willow plantation. So that's something to go and look at. Generous planting, walkways, paths alongside, natural springs and still waters. The postcode for that is CM six 3- three. SE. Another open garden in Sandford Road, 30 Sandford Road in Chelmsford CM26DQ another surprising third of an acre town garden, three areas, formal garden, lawn flowering borders, fish pond, pergola with wisteria, a large patio specimen, fruit and ornamental trees and a secret landscaped kitchen garden offering homemade teas again admission £4 Postcode for that in Sanford Road, Chelmsford, 30 Sanford Road, and that's cm 26 dq South Shoebury Hall, Church Road, Shoebury, 28th of April, that's on the Sunday, £4 again, homemade teas, delightful one-acre established walled garden surrounding a Grade 2 listed house. It's ablaze with 3,000 tulips and fritillarias. And a, I tell you what, they have a bumper acopanthus. Sale as well, so look out for that. That's SS39DN. Uh, Alting Wick, last, no, last but not least, I'll tell you what, I've got another one as well for you. In Morden, this is in Morden, Crouchman's Farm Road. Uh, 28th of April on the Sunday, homemade soup and filled rolls, £5. Into that one, listed black barns provide a backdrop, colourful, exuberant planting, 8 acres, thousands of tulips and Herbaceous Borders Pond and All Saints Church Alting will also be open in conjunction with the garden for the talks on its history. On the 3rd of May, bit of uh, early warning there, open garden for fairly Hospice, the Blue House, 19 Chelmer Terrace, Malden, £3, children free, CM9 5HT. If you want to send me an event... So that we can broadcast on the podcast across the county and beyond to encourage people to come to your garden, just send me an email to ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk or Ken Crowther, P.O. Box 765, Chompsford, CM2 9XB. Get out and look at some of those gardens and go along to those horticultural events. Hello, Wendy.
9: Oh, hello, Ken. Um, I've got a viburnum, which I've had for years. Yep. It was here when I came to the house. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got leather leaves, or what, you know, long leaves. Are they, just, is it an evergreen? Ca- it's, yes. Yes, it's, I know the one. Yep. It's coming into flower now. It's yes. hard.
1: Ritter de Filham, I think it is. Pardon? It's called viburnum Ritter de Fillem, I think, but don't worry about it. I know oh. which one you're talking about.
9: <laughs> yeah, I, I can't find it in my book at all. Um, well, every year, I, I don't know if it's all the time, it's like it's all burnt at the top, the leaves. Oh. They're all brown, they're like it now. Um, I mean, it's a real leathery leaf.
1: Oh, it is indeed.
9: These bits, they're all dried up and brown at the top of every leaf.
1: Well, that... The only it's thing a very
9: that, big bush.
1: The <laughs> only thing that you can say about that is that mm-hmm. um if it's got leathery type you know, if you if you're saying it's um it's got leathery type leaves, yeah. if that makes sense, and they are browning at the top, that's must be drying out wind and drying out. There can't yeah. be anything else. Do you prune it at all?
9: No, I haven't pruned it at all. It's really it's quite quite big.
1: It's too big, isn't it? It's yeah, not I...
9: high, it's wide.
1: Yeah, you can prune it, and you could prune it straight after flowering. It wouldn't do oh. it any harm at all. Oh. I think it lacks water, is what you're right. describing. Browning on the ends will yeah. be lack of water.
9: It's it, all brittle. You can break those yeah. bits off, you know.
1: That's, that's lack of water. That's it all is. it is. If it's a yeah. big bush, and there's not a lot of water about at the moment, in all honesty, <laughs> is there? So, No, definitely um, not. What would I do with it? I'd enjoy the flowers, prune it back. Yeah. And then what I would do is then quickly, what do I quickly do? I quickly give it a lot of water, mm-hmm. a bit of feed. Use something as, as basic as, um, you know, grome or something like that. Give it a oh, good yeah. feed. Water the fit scratch the ground and fork it in, and then give it a, a, a bit of a water. And in the future, after mm-hmm. next winter, when we hope that uh, we will have um, a bit of moisture eventually, um, <laughs> you, could, you could then put... A mulch on it to stop that happening.
9: A mulch, yeah. yeah.
1: But not till it's wet. Never put it on until it's wet. No, no. Oh. Okay,
9: thanks oh. very
1: much. I'll That's try a, that. that. That's a pleasure.
9: Thank um, you. Bye. Okay,
1: and in fact, it's a very ugly bush when it's young, I must say, Viburnum rutiliflorum. But as it grows, it actually forms quite an attractive bush, and it does. It's an interesting shrub. Long, leathery green leaves, and it does have that creamy flower, which is quite rather nice um let's go to the phones again and we're talking to alan in hodderston aren't we alan
6: uh yes thanks ken um i've got three quick questions i hope they're quick to answer when do i prune my fig tree um i've got some chicken pellets which i've inherited i'm not quite sure what to do with them right and uh what's the other one
1: Oh. Well, let's deal with a fig, and then you'll get there. Right, yeah, figs... <laughs> now, figs are funny, because figs, um, uh, some would say they prune back about a month ago. You just tip them back to encourage the new growth from the side. You get a little bit of bleeding because they're starting to produce. Now, the problem is now, I think you'll find your the ends of the figs are already showing green, aren't they? They are, yes. Yeah. I would then leave it alone, um, see what happens to it, and then... I would, uh, you see, I prune in after after fruiting in August, which a lot of people don't do. Right. But that's when I do it, and it seems to work quite well.
6: Okay, I shall try that. This yeah, year.
1: and just prune to shape. Don't do not do anything too fancy. Just get it to shape. That's all you've okay. got to worry about. Yeah? No. Okay. Um,
6: yes, the chicken pellets I've inherited, Yep. Um, I'm just going to start earthing up my potatoes. If I sprinkled a few along the top and then earth up over the top of that, would that be okay?
1: Um, I would, quite honestly. I would put them on the top and then earth up on top. Don't put them too close to the potato. Right. I I will put them in the sides of. The, put do the trench. Do it along the side and then just lightly fork them in.
6: Yeah. Oh, well, as I say, I've, uh, okay. Yeah, I got. Don't right
1: put here. them too close to the potato. That's what I'm saying.
6: Right. Okay. And the last one is. Strawberry plants, my flowers, they've got lovely white flowers, and the centres have all gone black.
1: Come
8: the
6: back. little round dot in the middle. I mm. was talking to another allotment here, and he said it probably would be the frost, Ca- caught the frost one night.
1: Yeah, but when did we have a frost? Not for a couple of weeks ago, did we? Well, oh, actually, we did. Last week we had frost, didn't we? So, yes, it, it, yeah, he's yeah. spot on because it would go black from frost.
6: Right, okay. Pick them, tell you
1: what, pick them off. Yeah. Pick them off and you'll you'll find that that will encourage new flower quicker if you get rid of them.
6: OK, thank you very much. OK. Yeah, much
1: obliged. It's a pleasure. That's Alan from Hodderston. Um, I think we should do some of those texts that we've got and I've got a couple of emails to do as well. Um, and the number to call is 0800 111 4041. If you've got a phone, phone uh, question, we'll squeeze you in as well. That's 0800 111 4041. Um, as for Chris from Braintree, um, I see he's very worried about his chocolate orange plant. Um, I keep my chocolate orange plant in the fridge, and I find it it works a lot better, as the chocolate pieces of orange come out nice and crisp. Now, um, moving on, I will. Uh, do I spray? Oh, Dawn in Parkridge. What are you suggesting? How often should I spray my small fruit tree with a vinegar solution to repel ants? Well, you shouldn't spray it with vinegar. If you look at the vinegar bottle, Dawn, do you see anything that suggests that you should spray it as an insecticide? Vinegar is a condiment that we use in the kitchen. You don't go and use a spray out the garden on your food, so therefore you shouldn't be using food products ...on your plant unless it has been checked and verified to be a legal application. And anyway, ants on a fruit tree, chances are they will be um, working on aphids. So therefore you should get a suitable aphicide and get rid of it that way. But don't use... Don't use... What am I saying, don't use? Don't use Washing up liquid. It doesn't work and again it is not checked. Right, let's move on from trying to use vinegar. Are there any leaves? There's no leaves on my gooseberry bush, just started to come out and every year I get loads of lovely fruit on it, only for them to go moldy. Is there anything I can do to stop this? Right, you're most likely getting a gooseberry mildew, which starts at the stem and goes round it. Uh, There's not a hell of a lot on the market that you can find for that. I'm just trying to think whether there's any fungicides that you can use on fruit. Check whether there's a fungicide. Go to a garden centre see if there's a fungicide that you can use on fruit. Uh, And then you spray as soon as the berry forms. There used to be one that you could use on fruit, which was um, for fruit and veg. But I'm not sure whether that one is still available. But basically, it's not damaging to the actual fruit. You could use it so you can look at that one as well so but basically that the only other thing you can do actually and just a thought actually as you prune when you prune keep the bush nice and open open center not too many crowded, crowded branches and you'll find that that way that you will actually you've got less chance of getting gooseberry mildew uh let's go back to the phones and talk to paul in bocking hello paul
3: Good morning. How are you, Ken?
1: We're fine. What can we do for you today?
3: Well, I'm a bit annoyed with myself. I uh, actually run Kenny Bunton up this morning. I should have perhaps run this question by him, but he sort of blew me away a little bit. I mean, he's been in hospital and he's hurt himself and he's out of hospital now after six weeks in hospital, so I didn't, didn't get to ask him the question, really. What, what do you want to know? Been?
1: What do you want to know?
3: We've just put a new water main in um, to a new piece of pasture land, which they're going to turn into allotments. Yep. And a lady that I see that has got allotment there said they can't grow anything that's root crop there because of wireworm. Any advice on what can be used to, to eradicate wireworm?
1: Wireworm is a major problem. I mean normally what people do is they grow things <laughs> you grow things like potatoes and try and encourage the wireworm into the potato and try and get it cleared in that way. Um, there's not a lot that you can get rid of wireworm with now. Um, it's just one of the major, major problems that we've got. Um, and yeah, in look, fact,
3: I, I, I spoke to an old boy from Gosfield Village. I mean, he must have been early, early 80s. And he mentioned a product that they used to use years ago called DDT. He said, but you're not allowed to use oh, it now.
1: I should I should definitely hope not as well. No, um, no. Um, it's It's difficult to know, you know, how to get rid of them. Yeah, it's. it's no. it, I mean, sadly, well, sadly, and not sadly, because a lot of the things that we were, yeah. we were, we were using weren't good. Uh, in let's face it, so you know, it's good and bad, isn't it? In a way.
0: Yeah, definitely. I wonder if there'd be anything on
3: the computer as far as that goes, on Google or something like that. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it is a problem wireworm in in allotments, and uh, there's not much you can get rid of it today because all that's gone. So I can't really help you with that, but I'll tell you what, I'll look into it and see if there's any natural ones. There might be a, um, yeah, there might be a natural way of getting rid of them. I will cross-check on that and come back on that next week. How about that, Paul? All
3: right, Ken, that's lovely. Thanks very
1: much. Okay, Paul. I'm going to go to Julie in Wickford. Hello, Julie. What have you got for us today?
5: Oh, hello. Um, I've got two, three actually, trackies, Tricky spermans, yeah, yeah. Um, two in pots, the one in the ground, which is a more recent one. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They come out all right each year, but they. Um, I was advised perhaps to take some of the earth out of the pots and put some fresh in. Yes. Johnny's number three. Good. Uh, but when I tried to dig down, there was a lot of roots, like fine roots. So I just, I, I don't know if I'd done the right thing. I just cut them off, and then. Yeah put the earth on that's all right and i was advised to um feed with um miracle grow every fortnight
1: yeah
5: is that good
1: yeah that's fine yeah it's it's a it's it's a good product
5: yeah do you think eventually because they're getting i've had them in pots for a few years do you think i should eventually try and repot them and when should i
1: you want to repot them but when should you
5: yeah, it, well, well, if I want to, at some time because
1: you're they don't off, go
5: on eventually in right, pots you're better they? off
1: Because they're not hundred percent hardy, you're better off to always do it in the spring. Right. So you're a bit late now, but I would do it say end of March, beginning of April.
5: Is it best to repot them? Because they're in a pot. that's about fifteen inches wide.
1: They might need something that's about. I honestly, I would go for an eighteen-inch pot for a climber like that.
5: Right,
1: and it, it will keep for quite a few years. They'll they'll then go on for quite a few years um, in that container. I would think you could grow it in that container then for at least five years. I hope that helps. Um, there's one question here. It says, "Hi Ken, I used Patio Clear last year and cleared algae from her path from their patio." This is Rob. Still have black spots. Is there a product that clears both? Yes, there is. And it's called, believe it or not, black spot remover. And in fact, it's a man who owns the thing is called Mr Essex as well. So I think that is quite appropriate. And he's a lovely guy. I've met him. I've done an interview with him. He's a suitable, a great guy. Um, uh, I've changed my garden into a pollinator garden for bees, hoverflies and butterflies. Is it possible, Ken, to give names of a couple of bushes or plants that grow every year to help ladybirds and lacewings? Ladybirds and lacewings, they're more difficult. Um, anything that flowers well. A calendula would work quite well as an annual. It's all that sort of thing that you really want to get going in that way. So there are there's some ideas, and if not, I don't know, just pop onto the website or send me an email. Thank you very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0800 40 4041 and be part of the programme every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11. And just a reminder, if you have an event... Send it along, and we can put it in the podcast. Just two weeks advanced warning. Send it along to ken.crowderbbc.co.uk.